it appears as if German lawyer Reiner Fulmich, who recognized the COVID crimes against humanity as early as 2020, has been set up. Fulmich was spearheading a project known as the Second Nuremberg and co-founded the Corona Investigative Committee. His committee consulted about 150 scientists and experts from around the world, as well as former employees of the World Health Organization. And their findings showed them that the COVID measures were the first steps in a plan to destroy regional economies in order to make populations dependent upon global supply chains and were intended to reduce the population and install a world government under the United Nations. The Corona Committee received a lot of donations, which they believed were not safe due to the recent history of bank accounts being seized by complicit governments. One million euros in gold was purchased and put in holding. To fund operations, both Reiner Fulmich and Vivian Fisher took out secured loans. At a time of grave risk, for the money in our bank account, we decided to act immediately and we took money out of that account, both she and I did, in order to save it and keep it from such an attachment so that we would be able to continue with our work because had our account been attached, our bank account been attached, we wouldn't have been able to pay for the translators, for the IT, for the management, etc., etc. Reiner's loan was for 700,000 euros and was to be repaid with the proceeds from selling his home, all documented and agreed upon by the committee. Members of the Corona Committee met with a law firm in August of 2022 and filed criminal charges against Fulmich. Committee members Justice Hoffman, Marcel Templin, and Antonia Fisher claimed that Fulmich embezzled 700,000 euros, the loan that he officially took out. They claimed he was a violent anti-Semite and that if he were given the opportunity to comment before criminal proceedings began, they would not file the complaint. Two warrants were issued for his arrest from Germany and from the EU without Reiner's knowledge. Without an international arrest warrant, German and Mexican authorities illegally abducted Fulmich at the German embassy in Mexico. He was then flown to the Frankfurt airport where he was arrested and put in jail. International law experts are calling his arrest an illegal kidnapping. According to documented company plans, Fulmich's loan was to be repaid after the sale of his property. But the very same people that filed the complaint against Fulmich sabotaged this agreement. The contracts stated that the profits of the Fulmich property was to be transferred to a Fulmich account so that he could repay the loan. But the notary, who was sworn to be neutral and independent, instructed the buyers to transfer the 1.158 million euros into Marcel Templin's account, which made it impossible for Reiner to repay the loan. The loans were transparently agreed upon in written contracts. There was no secrecy, and the company was aware of the loans at all times. The evidence that proves this has been officially submitted to the court, who has chosen to ignore it and has muzzled the defense and ordered they not be allowed to mention it. The evidence shows that Hoffman, Templin, and the notary illegally obtained access to the profits of Fulmich's property. And not only is the court ignoring this evidence, they have summoned these same people as witnesses against Fulmich. The complaint states, Fulmich has also made himself liable to prosecution for embezzlement by purchasing the gold bars without the consent of the shareholders, obscuring their existence and possessing them for himself. But the purchase of the gold bars is also documented. 
They are in holding and can only be accessed with the signatures of both Reiner Fulmick and Vivian Fisher. This is shown in company documents, which were never given to the public prosecutor, but they have been submitted by the defense and are being ignored by the court. Furthermore, while the court froze Fulmix accounts, they failed to freeze the 1.158 million euros in Marcel Templin's account, which is presumably still there and appears to be the payoff for this internal coup. The trial is happening now in Germany, and the plaintiff's sloppy accusations are beginning to fall apart. One reporter at the trial said, The case was totally destroyed, and one could only sit there in amazement. A journalist from Biddle TV said that Reiner will not only be released, but also compensated. The people who did this to him, in my opinion, will be charged themselves. It is beginning to appear as if justice may finally be served. I'm not perfect. I'm under a lot of stress. But if I didn't have the supplements we have, we promote, I wouldn't be able to continue to be on air. And when you go to InfoWarsStore.com, you are funding the tip of the spear in the fight against the globalists in an operation that the enemy admits has been the most effective at exposing them. Because we're fearless and we don't back down. We got God on our side. But God needs to work through you. You've got to make the decision to get great products you already need at InfoWarsStore.com. And that is a 360 win. Nitric Boost, without me even knowing, became our number three bestseller because people loved it so much. They had such great effects. Got all these natural compounds that clean out the blood, open up your arteries and veins and capillators, clean out your heart, your brain, everything. Well, we got an even better manufacturer. The other one was great, but one that's even better with even higher quality ingredients at a lower price. So I could never offer nitric boost because it costs us so much to make. And now we can offer it for 40% off. Infowarstore.com, nitric boost, finally back in stock. 40% off out of the gates. It's Thursday, February 15th, in the year of 2024. And you're listening to The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, host this morning. Alex is out this week until either Sunday or Monday. I'm not sure if he's coming back on Sunday. I bet he will. Giving his larynx a little bit of a rest. He mentioned it on air, I believe on Monday or Tuesday, that his voice was just shot this week, and so he's going to give it a little bit of a much-needed and much-deserved break, but he'll be right back at it. So today on The Alex Jones Show, it will be hosted by Owen Schroyer, and your favorite host, Harrison Smith, will be hosting The War Room this afternoon. And the same schedule will be applied to tomorrow. As always, where do we begin with the news? Yesterday, something very interesting happened, which I want to spend some substantial time on. And one of the reasons I want to spend time on it is not only because I think it's so fascinating and disturbing and alarming, but I pay attention to how different posts perform that I post on X and different topics are trending just to get some insight with what's resonating with the audience. Many of those who follow me on social media are also InfoWars listeners. My following has grown since I got involved here at InfoWars. And yesterday I posted a sort of like, a, I guess, a short article about the accusations against Russia, the allegations against Russia 
that they either have or are planning to have nukes in space, space nukes, nuclear weapons in orbit. Now, I don't understand all the details or intricacies around sort of the strategic reasoning for wanting to put nukes in space. Obviously, it would be expensive to do that. A lot of research and development necessary. I imagine it's because if you have nukes in space, they can sort of orbit the planet and attack targets in a much more rapid, accurate way with much more difficulty in terms of defending against those, those nukes. That's what I imagine. But I did a little bit of research looking into this, and apparently there was a treaty in 1967 called the Outer Space Treaty. And it was between a number of superpowers, large nations, first world countries, NATO nations, and the USSR at the time, where everyone basically got together during this sort of push for nuclear non-proliferation and agreed that although... These nations would continue to develop their defenses, would continue to develop their nuclear arsenal, would continue to test nuclear weapons. They agreed that they would put no nukes in space in 1967. And I find it incredibly interesting how some of the pieces are coming together around this Russia-Ukraine-NATO-United States conflict. So... We have Putin last week speaking with Tucker. Obviously, Putin is not somebody who frequently interacts with American journalists, other than perhaps Edward Snowden, who's in asylum in Moscow, and Tucker Carlson. And when you look at somebody like Putin, regardless of whether you like Putin or whether you despise Putin, regardless of whether you think he's a good man or an evil despot, you cannot underestimate how sophisticated and how intelligent this man is. People say pharma, KGB, pharma, KGB. I don't think he's just any KGB guy. I mean, imagine being in sort of a prominent intelligence position during the Soviet Union. Then when that Soviet Union collapses, you have utter chaos in the USSR. You have generals that are selling off weapons. You have a lot of under-the-table deals going on. Your entire economic structure is basically resetting right beneath you. And somehow, as a former intelligence officer of the USSR, you manage to get in the leadership of this new Russia. And not only do you stay in leadership in this new Russia, but you actually move up and successfully establish yourself as the president of this country, and you're not killed or assassinated or cooed out for decades. So regardless of whether you think Putin is an evil man or a good man, I happen to think that he's guilty of many of the things that his critics say he's guilty of. You cannot underestimate how strategically brilliant this man is, and it's interesting to me that they had this... Tucker interview come out and they, they decided to do a press briefing with the president of the United States basically at the same time. So everybody had a very clear A-B comparison of Vladimir Putin versus Joe Biden. And the disparity between the two, in my opinion, was absolutely astounding. I mean, it's one thing to watch clip after clip of Joe Biden collapsing or to watch clip after clip of Joe Biden failing to complete sentences, forgetting when his son died just sort of asinine astronomical flaws. But it's another thing to see that juxtaposed 
to someone like Putin responding in a very thoughtful, strategic, and tactful way to difficult questions about perhaps the most controversial issue of our time this year, which is this conflict in Ukraine. And I'm not saying that he was telling the truth or that he was right or that we should rally behind Russia or support Putin. I'm not an apologist for Putin. But it is obvious that he handled that interview with Tucker masterfully. And when we analyze how smart this guy is, I mean, he speaks German fluently. He speaks English as well fluently. He's been known to correct his translators when they mistranslate English being translated to him. And this guy knows he just prefers to speak in Russian because I believe it's sort of the most sophisticated language that he can speak in. He has the most, he's most masterful of Russian, right? So when he wants to convey important ideas or be absolutely sure that he's getting a message across, he uses Russian and then relies on translators. But he understands these languages. He knows what's going on. He's tactfully, strategically brilliant. And when we analyze what he's doing, we shouldn't just analyze what he says, but we should ask the question, why? Why did he decide at this particular time to have a conversation with Tucker Carlson? Well, the first thing is Tucker Carlson no longer works for Fox News. So he knows that he's speaking to a journalist that isn't beholden to an editor or a producer or any sort of top-down management of whether or not this interview is going to be cut, edited, or just closeted altogether. That's the first thing. But the second thing is, it's so fascinating to me that this happens, this interview happens inside of a week of these accusations against Russia regarding these space nukes. Not to mention the fact of how funny it is that now they're criticizing Russia of space nukes after years of making fun of Donald Trump for establishing the Space Force. In the event that these space nukes are a reality, it seems to me that maybe the Space Force was actually a prudent presidential decision. Why is nobody talking about that? And so I'm looking at this. All right. They told us not to listen to the Putin interview. Everybody said the Putin interview was going to be Putin propaganda before the interview even came out. The antagonism for it, regardless of what the substance of it was, was overwhelming, which I find just inherently problematic because if we're going to criticize an interview, we should probably at least listen to it first. It's like writing a review of a movie before the movie comes out, just sort of based on the trailer. That's basically what the entire leftist establishment did, whether it was on X from independent pod podcasters and journalists all the way sort of up the ladder to the New York Times and the intelligence community itself coming out and saying, don't believe a word that Putin says. So they're telling us that Putin is a liar about everything. And then within a week, they are making these accusations of space news. And a couple of things on the space news. First thing that comes to mind is I find it very hard to believe that Russia, China, and the United States haven't had nuclear weapons in space for years, despite the fact that they signed the Outer Space Treaty of 1967, prohibiting the placement of nukes in space. That's the first thing. So when I hear that Russia's got nukes in space, I, as a listener, or just as, as a regular citizen, I'm not any more alarmed or concerned for my safety than I was before. I mean, if, if Russia has enough nukes to destroy the planet 10 times over, 100 times over already, and we know that we don't have enough defenses to stop all their nukes if they were launched at once, as was the sort of dilemma of the Cold War, then why would I be any more fearful of Russia having nukes in space? It's just, 
it doesn't make sense to be scared or to or to take this as a serious threat, even if it's true. It's it's like okay, well they could. So you're telling me that not only can they kill us A, B, and C ways, but they could kill us D ways too. Like, come on. But what's alarming to me is when you connect all of the dots. So take a look at what was it the defense minister of Sweden or Switzerland, I always mix them up, the SWs, said regarding getting into NATO in July, regarding the likelihood of war with Russia this summer. I mean, nations that have traditionally remained neutral for years are now preparing for war with Russia. That's bizarre. Why is the entire international community preparing for a war with Russia? Then you have this interview come out sort of out of nowhere between Putin and Tucker, we saw the backlash to it even before it came out. And then once it comes out, it's sort of eye-opening. A lot of the things that were said were, were reasonable points. And then now we have this accusation against Russia of these space nukes. Now, we've seen cheap shots for years from the left and the right, frankly, on the so-called enemies of America on political opponents. We know that there's this game that's played on the media landscape, on, this, on the media stage, where there's jabs and there's just sort of maneuvering. But there's a difference between moving a few pawns around and going in for a major conflict over the center of the board. Right? In chess, the game actually result, re, revolves around control of the center of the board. The four squares right in the middle. And he who controls the four squares typically winds up with the checkmate. And so there's tertiary things that happen or, the, or tangent things that happen sort of on the outside of the center conflict in chess and, and in this sort of media political landscape. And then there's the major conflict, the denouement that happens like in the middle of the board. And I actually think that what we saw yesterday is an example of a major development. As subtle as it was, as whatever as it was, as sort of psyopy as it was. And I shared my thoughts on X about this. It's reached, I think, over a million people now. It really popped off, and I wanted it to because it was important to me to see this or to show this to people, for people to see this. If Russia is formally and publicly accused of violating the Outer Space Treaty of 1967, and I know that it's Russia, not the USSR, but Russia did inherit the treaty obligations of the USSR as part of the collapse of the Soviet Union. If Russia is being publicly accused of this, then that means that this could be used as a legal justification for the United States and NATO to get involved in a war directly with Russia, explicitly with Russia, our soldiers on the ground, NATO soldiers on the ground, basically before Ukraine completely loses. So we, we accuse Russia of violating the Outer Space Treaty of 1967, and then that is how NATO is justified to go in and wage war against Russia. And if we look at the details of what happened yesterday, and I'm going to show you the clip of Jake Sullivan talking about this. It's very interesting to me that there was this so-called major national security vulnerability or threat. The public was immediately notified about it 
existing, whatever this threat may be, despite the fact that it was classified, A, so they want the public to know. B, basically instantly, the details of the threat were leaked to the public. So either the intelligence community is completely incompetent regarding keeping the secret, or they leaked it intentionally because they want people to know about it. Right? And the reason they would want people to know about the details of this classified threat is because it has to be public knowledge in order for NATO to wield it or leverage it or use it as an excuse to engage in an explicit military conflict with Russia on behalf of Ukraine. I want to go ahead and run to this clip of Jake Sullivan discussing the national security threat yesterday in a briefing. House Intelligence uh, Chair speaking out about a imminent, or he doesn't say imminent, serious national security threat. The lack of your ability to say anything has the potential to raise distress for some Americans. In the simplest of terms, can you tell Americans that there's nothing they have to worry about right now in terms of what he describes as a national security threat? Look, I think in a way that question um, is impossible to answer with a straight yes, right? Because Americans... Uh, understand that there are a range of threats and challenges in the world that we're dealing with every single day. And uh, those threats and challenges range from terrorism to state actors. And we have to contend with them, and we have to contend with them in a way where we ensure the ultimate security of the American people. I am confident that President Biden, in the decisions that he is taking, is going to ensure the security of the American people going forward. And I will stand here at this podium and assert that, look you in the eye with confidence, that we believe that we can and will and are protecting the national security of the United States and the American people. Perfect. Thank you for your So not only is Jake Sullivan coming out and talking about this national security threat, saying, hey, it exists, but I can't tell you about it. Trust me. Why? I can't tell you. We always hear from these people. But then we have House Intel Chair issuing a cryptic warning of serious national security threats sort of right after this, urging Biden to declassify the details. Why would they need to declassify the details? So if they are the ones responsible for na national security, if they are the ones who can actually respond to this threat, if they are the ones who understand all the details... Why is it that they want to declassify it so the public can know? The only reason that they want to declassify information is because they want public support in order to get the political power needed to expand beyond their current capabilities. So if we imagine all of the things that our government can legally do now without any sort of support or approval from the people... It's astronomical power that they have. I mean, we hire mercenaries. We can send troops around. We can train anyone. We can sort of indiscriminately bomb different proxies of Iran without congressional approval. I mean, the United States has substantial military power, regardless of whether the people support it, regardless of whether Congress supports any sort of military action. And so the fact that they're calling for this to be declassified means that they need political support for even more power than they already have. And what could they possibly need more power for other than a serious explicit escalation of this conflict basically between Russia and the rest of the world, the globalist community?
House Intelligence Committee, Chair Committee Chairman Mike Turner, Republican from Ohio, on Wednesday issued a cryptic warning of a serious national security threat against the United States. I'm going to read this statement to you directly from the chairman. Today, the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence has made available to all members of Congress information concerning a serious national security threat. Obviously, if you make information available to all members of Congress, you basically guarantee that it's going to be leaked to the public. So he's saying here that they decided they wanted the public to know. I am requesting that President Biden declassify all information relating to this threat so that Congress, the administration, and our allies can openly discuss the actions necessary to respond to this threat. Congress, the administration, and our allies. So he's saying so that NATO can respond to this threat. So we have to declassify the threat in order for NATO to be able to use it as political leverage or political justification to wage war more explicitly on Russia. And I don't know if this threat is real or fake or the details, but it doesn't really matter whether or not it's real or fake. What matters is how it's being used. It doesn't really matter whether or not 9-11 was an inside job or not. It was still going to be used opportunistically by the deep state to expand its own power, as we saw with the Patriot Act. And so we see our members of Congress, we see our leaders, Republicans and Democrats alike, basically in this uniparty, wanting this information declassified so it can be used to leverage the international community into an explicit conflict with Russia. I mean, I, I honestly think that they're trying to start World War III right now. And the only reason I can think of that makes sense is that Ukraine is on the brink of total undeniable defeat. I mean, it basically is on the brink of not existing anymore. The capital in Ukraine is being bombed constantly. Moscow, I don't think, has been bombed once in this whole war. So it's very obvious who's winning and who's losing this conflict. We've sent billions upon billions of dollars. And frankly speaking, no matter how many weapons we send to Ukraine, no matter how much we provide in terms of services, training, and supplies to Ukraine, if they don't have men to fight a war over there, then there's nothing we can't buy a victory. There's nothing we can do. You just simply can't win when there's not people to win, when there's not an opponent left. And so knowing that Ukraine is on the, on the brink, basically, of total defeat, it seems to me that NATO and our leaders and our intelligence community have made the decision behind the scenes to get involved in this war on behalf of Ukraine. And that this is simply the pretext to justify that action. So they're going to come out and they're going to say, how can we get involved legally in a war with Russia? Well, let's look at all the treaties we signed with Russia. They go back and say, oh, this one. Outer Space Treaty 1967. If we can say or prove or fake, or if they did, just as we probably have, if we can say that Russia violated this agreement, then we can use that as a justification to activate actions, which are, were the very purpose for the establishment of NATO to begin with. I mean, NATO was made to sort of mitigate the USSR Cold War threat. It was supposed to contain and control this nuclear threat during the Cold War. And when the Cold War was over, somehow NATO didn't vanish like it should have. And so now it's going back to Cold War era treaties and 
negotiations and agreements to try to find any example of where Russia may have slipped up or where they can simply claim that Russia slipped up so that they can activate the power that they were granted during the Cold War, which is explicit military conflict with Russia. I mean, I think as of yesterday, before, you know, we would talk about being on the brink of nuclear war and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, they say that all the time. Yesterday was the first time in my life where I really thought, oh, okay, this, this could happen. Now, I'm not talking about tomorrow, but Russia is not going to allow itself to lose any war. And if it gets to the point where Russia is about to explicitly lose in Ukraine or when the whole world is at war with them, it's going to be given no choice but to use its nuclear weapons. So why are we putting them in a position where the most unreasonable thing becomes the most reasonable option. It just doesn't make sense to me. We're going to cover more on the other side of this short break. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. Be the reason that we're still on the air. Get bodies for 40% off. We'll be talking more about the products throughout the show as well. And stick with us, folks, for more on the other side. In a world where ancient remedies blend with modern science, Jones knows the secret. Bawd Ease from InfoWars Life isn't just any treasure, but the ultimate turmeric and inflammatory support. For millennia, turmeric's power has been recognized, but not all turmeric is created equal. With InfoWars Bawd Ease, you're getting turmeric root extract in a much more potent form. And the magic doesn't stop at turmeric. Paired with ingredients known for their anti-inflammatory properties like organic sage leaf and others, Bawd Ease is a symphony of nature's best. Joint support, flexibility, inflammation, and immune support. With bodies, you're not just unlocking the secrets of ancient remedies, but also supporting the show. <sighs> Discover the power of all natural turmeric. Grab your treasure today. <laughs> Head to InfoWarsStore.com and experience the magic of bodies for yourself. in Florida. Thank you for holding. Go ahead. I have to say, it really pisses me off to hear when you say that only 2% of the people that listen to this broadcast buy products. Um, I'm a young man. I don't make that much money. I just bought a house. I just got married. But I buy the products as much as I can. I buy them almost every month. I've bought the iodine, the beets, the methylfolate. I've just tried it. It's absurd to me that you people are listening to this guy. I've listened to you for 10 years. He puts this show out here for free, and you're not supporting him. Our country is falling apart, but you've got millions of people listening to you not doing Excuse my friends. Well, look, look, there's a glut of media. There's so much media. I'm not blaming the 99%, 99% that never buy anything. It's just these are really good products, and if we just had 1% more by the products, it would change the whole world. So these are really great products to begin with. We have the best turmeric out there, 95% humanoid, incredible anti-inflammation, so good for your whole body. We have all the other great products at InfoWarsStore.com. We have next-level foundational energy with the methylfolate and the B-complex that supercharges cellular energy. So it's not a stimulant, but it feels like a stimulant. Let me ask you, what happened when you took next-level foundational energy? <laughs> I've been taking it for, I don't know, a couple of weeks now. And in my younger days, I've experimented with stimulants and those things. It feels nothing like that. You feel like you're supposed to feel it. You're supposed to have energy, you know, and, it, and it, that's pretty much it. It doesn't feel like a stimulant. You just feel like you're supposed to. And what it does is it's the, it's the breakdown of folic acid 
that almost everybody, but particularly some people, Northern Europeans, have, have a low breakdown of. So you just give your cells the direct food that they operate off of and they clean out with. That's why Next Level Foundational Energy is so important. Thank you for the call, Victor, and thanks for the plug. Bill Gates up through that little chicken deck. You know how he walks, like, like a demonic elf. Hey, Bill Gates. Got Angelina Jolie going, ah, children. I am Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm Piz Morgan. Ever seen a Choini? My name's Glenn Beck. That's Hillary. Hold on, I'm Gary Johnson. Hi, this is Barack Obama without my teleprompter. I was raised by the Ford Foundation and Carnegie Endowment. Welcome to McDonald's. May I help you? I'm Bernie Sanders. Chris Hazel's glasses like he's a little smart night. Rachel Meadow. Thank you, Satan, for all your love. Signed, Cheryl Sandberg. Job of the hut. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm the amazing Wendy. I am Optimus Prime. I am William F. Buckley of the Sun. Visit InfoWarsStore.com today and be the reason we're still on the air. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I'm your host today, Chase Geyser. I'll be filling in for Harrison for today and tomorrow. And Harrison will be hosting The War Room this afternoon at 3 p.m. Central Time while Owen Schroyer covers for the great... Alex Jones at 11 a.m. Central. So we spent the last 20 minutes or so talking about these new sort of allegations against Russia regarding the violation of the Outer Space Treaty of 1967. And there's a couple other sort of variables that I see on the desk today that are, are just fascinating to me. So the first thing I want to talk about is Putin says that he prefers Biden over Trump. So headed into the election season, it is perhaps only natural and entirely to be expected that the mainstream media will hyperventilate over every side remark that Vladimir Putin makes on what's shaping up to be a Trump versus Biden match in November. Russian interference is no doubt always looming darkly on the horizon, we are told. So apparently Vladimir Putin came out and said that he prefers Biden over Trump. And let's just unpack this a little bit. So the first thing that occurred to me when I heard of this yesterday is, okay, so the left is going to spin this. And I bet you Corrine, if she hasn't already done a press conference, she's probably going to do one today. I bet you Corrine is going to say that Putin is pretending to prefer Biden over Trump in order to support Trump. Putin knows that if he comes out and says that he supports Biden, since so many people hate Putin, that it can only help Trump. That's the angle that I think they're going to take this. We saw the Krasensteins do a little bit of this on X yesterday as well. And I replied with a quote post to my tweet basically saying that this was going to be what the left was going to do. This is the narrative. And the other thing is, it's actually possible that it's true because... 
Putin may want a weak president instead of a strong president if Putin seeks to accomplish his sort of international goals for Russia, namely the maintenance and security of its own sovereignty. And it just calls to mind, you remember the interview between Tucker and Russia last week where Tucker explicitly asked Vladimir Putin when the last time was that Putin spoke with President Biden. Putin responded, I don't remember. Now, it's possible that he was lying and he remembers, but he's trying to sort of downplay the significance or the importance of President Biden or even his own leadership. It's possible that he's basically trying to undermine the appearance of President Biden in the eyes of all the Americans who were watching the interview. It's also possible that their last interaction was so inconsequential that Putin legitimately doesn't remember. I know that as I'm getting older, I'm having memories from high school or college and I'm thinking to myself, wow, I can't remember that person's name. I know exactly who it was. I can tell you all about him. Just don't remember their name. Or don't remember the last time I saw him. Or don't remember the last time I interacted with him. So it's possible he was just telling the truth. But one thing is for sure. He said that he hasn't spoken to President Biden since this war broke out in Ukraine. Which I find incredibly bizarre and alarming given the fact that the United States is basically the number one supporter and funder of Russia. I mean, you'd think that if negotiations were called for, that that would be the first conversation. And so what occurs to me as a result of this new knowledge that we've been given, and I don't, I don't even believe that the Biden administration has denied the veracity of Putin's claim that he hasn't spoken to Biden since before this conflict broke out. But what occurs to me is President Biden is so inconsequential a president of the United States. He's so out of control, sort of handled and managed that there's no reason whatsoever for Vladimir, Vladimir Putin to have a conversation with him. I mean, you want to talk to a decision maker. I was in sales for years. I owned a small business. I have cold called thousands of people. I could st I've read sales pitches and sales scripts to th so many people. I could still give you, I could still utter the script to you right now. Even when I was in eighth grade, the summer after eighth grade, I worked for a call center to save money because I wanted to buy some recording equipment so I could make music. I was in interested in music then when I was 15. I remember, hi, this is Chase Geyser with TLMA Consulting. I'm sorry for calling out of the blue, but the reason we're calling is because we have several well-financed buyers in your area looking for businesses just like yours. Have you given any thought to selling your company in the next 12 months or so? I said that to thousands of people. And one of the first things that they taught me as a 15-year-old kid with braces, a bowl cut, and a tie-dye shirt, and a can of Mountain Dew was you have to get past the gatekeeper. Get to the decision maker. It doesn't matter who you convince how great the idea is. If they're not the decision maker, then you're not going to close any deals. So the first thing was you always want to get past the gatekeeper. You always want to get past whoever answers the phone, and you want to talk to the small business owner right away because they're the only person that you can have a meaningful relationship with in order to manifest your goals, right? The same thing is true for international politics. Why would Putin waste his time 
speaking to Joe Biden on the phone when he knows, when Biden knows, when everybody knows, regardless of whether they're willing to admit it or not. I mean, denial isn't just a river in Egypt. Why would he waste his time having a conversation with someone who isn't responsible for making any of the actual meaningful decisions? So that's like the number one sort of proof to me. I, I, I obviously knew this. There's so much overwhelming evidence, but this is like the nail in the coffin. President Biden is not running the United States of America. We can argue all day about whether it's Barack Obama from his basement in sweatpants, whether it's Michelle Obama, whoever. I, I happen to think it's just sort of the intelligence community as a whole. Run, I think it's run by committee, basically. But you can't deny that it's not Joe calling the shots. And that's why Vladimir Putin finds that it's more meaningful for, for him to have a conversation with Tucker Carlson than with the president of the United States. I mean, we have an example of the leader of Russia in a major global conflict deciding to spend two hours in conversation with Tucker Carlson instead of deciding to spend two minutes on a phone call with the president of the United States because the two hours with Tucker is more consequential and meaningful and valuable than two minutes with Joe Biden. Tucker Carlson is literally more powerful than the president of the United States, at least in Putin's eyes. I mean, what other reason would there be? And frankly, we remember the Cold War between Russia and the United States. They had, what was it called, guys? Do you guys remember the name of that phone that they had where, where either the leader of Russia or the leader of the United States at any time could pick up the phone and immediately be on the, the red phone. Yeah, immediately be on the phone with the other. So they decided, hey, since we're in this really hot cold, hot cold war, since we're in this really tense cold war and we understand the consequences of a nuclear exchange breaking out, maybe it would be a good idea for us to have the easiest way possible to communicate with each other at any time. So that there's no mistakes made, there's no misunderstanding that could cause basically the destruction of humanity on accident. I mean, when you're in a hyper-conflict with somebody, the, the importance of communication is just astronomical. It's, it's more important than ever to be able to communicate in a conflict like that. Whether it's business, whether it's personal, whether it's international, you have to be able to communicate. And the fact that... We go from this sort of red telephone dynamic of the Cold War to haven't heard from the guy in three years is like, oh, my God, unprecedented. So, you know, we have people on in our administration who are speaking with people in their administration. He's basically admitting that this country and his to some extent is run by the staff. It's this bureaucratic system where the leaders are just sort of puppets or talking heads and the real decisions are being made behind the scenes by appointed bureaucrats not accountable to the constituents of their nations. More on the other side. Hello, Americans. I want to share with you a story. A story about inflammation, the silent menace that lurks within our bodies, affecting our health and well-being. Inflammation, the root cause of countless ailments, quietly wreaking havoc over time. Long-term exposure to inflammation has been linked to a myriad of health issues, from heart disease to arthritis, even cognitive decline. But fear not, for there's a beacon of hope 
found in the wisdom of nature, a remedy that has stood the test of time, turmeric. Recent studies have uncovered the extraordinary health benefits of curcuminoids, the active compounds in turmeric. And now I present to you Baudis from InfoWarsStore.com, a powerful blend crafted with precision, boasting 95% curcuminoids extracted from turmeric. But it doesn't stop there. Baudis incorporates a symphony of ingredients meticulously chosen to enhance the absorption of curcuminoids, ensuring your body reaps the full benefit. First on the stage, organic black pepper extract, nature's enhancer. It contains piperine, which studies suggest can boost curcumin absorption by up to 2,000%. A remarkable duo, working hand-in-hand hand to maximize the benefits of turmeric. The final crescendo, Baudis' core, 95% curcuminoids extracted from turmeric. Once absorbed, curcuminoids unleash their anti-inflammatory magic, targeting the very pathways that fuel chronic inflammation. It's not just a supplement. It's a natural force working with your body to restore balance. You see, it's not just about what you take. It's about what your body can absorb. Now let me throw it over to a man who needs no introduction, Alex Jones. Body's ultimate turmeric formula is back in stock. I want to explain something. It's turmeric concentrate. It's 95% curcuminoid. We went to the top lab and said, what's the strongest you put out? They said like 87%. Most companies put out raw turmeric, it's 5%, 4%. This is 95% curcuminoid, okay? So this is like, I guess the example's like, instead of eating, you have to eat like you know, 10 of those other pills just to get what is in one of these. It's good for your heart, your brain, everything. It is 40% off, back in stock, Body's ultimate turmeric formula, InfoWarsStore.com. Bodies. An ally in the battle against inflammation. Visit InfoWarsStore.com now and seize the opportunity to take control of your health. Now you know the rest of the story. Until next time, good day. Good day. Good day. Good day. Good day. Good day. The enemies of humanity have been very good at dividing and conquering us. But if we simply start thinking about things according to the definition of is it pro-human or is it anti-human, we start to win. And that's why I had the idea for Team Humanity. I brought it up to Elon Musk. He loved the idea. What would you call the debate and discussion about a pro-human future? Just Team Humanity? Yeah, Team Humanity. Absolutely. And so we have the t-shirt. Team Humanity with a nuclear family standing against the globalist. This shirt is a great conversation starter, but it also is a fundraiser to keep InfoWars on the air so we can promote and support Team humanity i want to thank you all for your past support but i want to encourage you all now to understand that this is a revolution against the globalists and it is so critical now to signal the fact that you are part of team humanity we're told humans are the problem we're told we're killing the earth we're told all this garbage so we hate ourselves and stand down and roll over and die we're not going to do that get your team humanity shirts now at infowarsstore.com and i thank you all for your support Welcome back, American Journal folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. Reporting from the command center here in Austin, Texas. 
some time talking about the fact that Putin hasn't spoken to Biden since before this war broke out. Now we're on the cusp of World War III and they're not even talking to each other. It's crazy. And this short clip from yesterday that really popped off on X could be an example of the reason why. I mean, just look at how vacant and distant and just overwhelmingly, alarmingly dementia-ridden this man is, oblivious. Let's go ahead and run it. President Biden, do you have any comment on Russia deploying nuclear weapons into space? <laughs> President Biden, is that the classified information Russia considered? Are you concerned about Russia sending nukes to their space? Man. Jill's wearing orange because secretly she supports Trump. <sighs> Another interesting aspect of this is, is how pay attention to how we're going to see those who have traditionally supported Ukraine kind of respond over the course of the coming days to all this. I find it very interesting. I see this article on the desk here. From Infowars.com, Lindsey Graham's about face on Ukraine shows GOP patience with Kyiv regime has run out. So I'm not sure that this headline is an accurate characterization. I don't know if that it isn't. But it seems to me that there's a lot of pressure from Republican voters being applied to Republican leaders about the Ukraine funding. Everybody's frustrated about it. Everybody's frankly pissed off that we've given billions upon billions of dollars for the protection of the border of Ukraine and totally neglected the protection of our very own border. There is a there is rising animosity for any political figure who supports Ukraine in this country. Basically every every time something painful happens to an American or something painful happens in America, the bitterness meter goes up for any support for Ukraine. And the right feels this. And so what they started doing was the, the leadership on the right started by pretending to play hardball against Ukraine and really sort of in name only doing that. Behind the scenes, they're passing this stuff, this, this, this new stuff that's passing is just asinine with $95 billion allegedly going to our so-called allies. And let's just imagine for a moment, Lindsey Graham is famously sort of a war hawk. We just need to put boots on the ground. We just need to get boots on the ground over there. Just our boys, our boys in, in boots. Famously a war hawk, famously just part of the military industrial complex machine. And he knows that there's pressure to not support Ukraine. And so it's interesting that this sort of about face is happening right as this space nuke allegation is coming out because now he can come out and say, hey, I, pull, I wanted to pull support from Ukraine, but now NATO's going to war with Ukraine, so we have to, as, as allies of NATO, as part of NATO, we have to support him. So he's trying to backpedal from his support for Ukraine over the course of the last several years because now it's sort of inevitable that this is going to play out and he's going to get what he wants. He's going to get his World War III, and he's going to try to feign that he, he didn't want it. I mean, Graham, considered to be among the most hawkish lawmakers in Washington, may be counting on collapse in Ukraine to sink U.S. President Joe Biden's reelection chances. Lindsey Graham, 
Republican from South Carolina, long considered one of the U.S. Senate's foremost advocates of a muscular U.S. foreign policy, raised eyebrows this week when he repeatedly voted against lethal aid for Ukraine and Israel. Yeah, well, why would you need to vote for aid against aid for Ukraine and Israel if NATO's about ready to take care of it for you? We'll just give all the money to NATO, and then by proxy, we'll be supporting Ukraine. And so... Between this World War III sort of conflict that's about ready to break out, between these sort of bizarre mass shootings that we're seeing and then they get hush-hushed, between this totally open border and the obvious juxtaposition of Biden and Putin showing just how far gone Joe Biden really is. I mean, he was never a particularly bright guy, but now he's just not even functional. It's becoming more and more likely that Joe Biden isn't actually going to be the candidate. Kamala Harris has made remarks that she's ready to step up whenever necessary. Everybody's sort of spontaneously coming out and talking about how sharp Biden is behind the scenes, but it's almost just like a pat on the back before the get the hell out of here that seems to be coming. And I was interested to hear Vivek's take on this. I want to run this clip. He was on Hannity the other night talking about Joe Biden not being the candidate. He's been saying this for months, if not years, that Joe Biden isn't going to be the candidate in 2024. And I would put the likelihood that he's right at probably 60%. It's very possible that Joe Biden is the candidate, but I think it's not going to happen. If I was a betting man, I would put all my money on anyone else. I don't know who it's going to be, whether it's going to be Michelle, whether it's going to be Hillary, whether it's going to be Gavin Newsom or someone unexpected. But I just cannot imagine the deep state wanting to install Biden again when it's just abundantly obvious that he's a decrepit old man that, with a rotting brain. Let's go ahead and run the clip. A Harris problem, because this is a party that has tied its very identity to identity politics. She only got the job, let's be very honest, because of her race and gender. I know you're not supposed to say that, but it's the truth. And so if they're going to move Joe Biden out of the way, but they don't you're want Kamala Harris in that seat. talking about democratic identity it, politics. That, that, that's, absolutely. That, that is a known fact. That's the core. And they, know that, and they know that Kamala Harris cannot be the nominee. And so they have to have somebody who checks off one of those identitarian boxes. So that's why I think it's not going to be Gavin Newsom, whether it's Michelle Obama to Hillary Clinton to somebody else. It has to be somebody who checks off their temple of identity politics box. But I do think that that is where we're headed. And it's important for Republicans not to be complacent. Right now, President Trump would run laps around Joe Biden. This could be a Reagan-style landslide. You look at that survey of independent voters and that focus group that tells you the same story I am seeing across this country, which is precisely because why I believe they're going to actually change it to someone other than Biden by the time we get to this summer. Okay. Now, uh, I have no reason not to believe David Axelrod, but he was, he was pretty strong in his statement saying Michelle's not running. Okay. That then brings up the Gavin Newsom issue. I've interviewed him. I have pressed him. I pressed him in the debate with Governor DeSantis on the issue of if he'd run. He's been very clear that he's not next in line, that the person that would be next in line would be the Vice President Harris. Okay, so how do you, how do you put, I guess, push her out of the way and maybe go to Gavin if he would take it? I'm taking him at his word that he said he, he really wouldn't take it. Uh, then you got to look at Gretchen Whitmer. It's interesting that they are pushing out a book, is my understanding, uh, over the summer. That seemed to be kind of spontaneous. You think maybe she's been talked to or spoken to by people? Well, the reality is even Hillary Clinton is now lightly criticizing Joe Biden. God knows she wants the job. 
I don't necessarily take David Axelrod at his word. I do think that it may not even be Michelle Obama's choice. The idea that just because she doesn't want to run doesn't mean they're going to make her the nominee, I think are two separate and different questions. But whatever it is, Sean, this is our moment to get ahead of that curve, not to play a guessing game. I think the Republicans right now have an opportunity to own the message of national unity. Seal that border. Democrat or Republican, most Americans agree on its importance. Black or white, man or woman, it doesn't matter. We agree. Nations have borders. Merit beats DEI, that we got to drill more, frack more. Own the actual issues that allow us to unite this country. And the more we get ahead of that curve, the more we say that we own the message of national unity, not Joe Biden who claimed to unite the country, but we the Republican so there's a vague Party. course coming Dude, out in America support of Trump and making his claim as to why he thinks that, that Biden's going to be replaced and who he thinks it could potentially be. And how am I going to frame this? I've said before on air that war has transitioned from war of conquest to war of conspiracy. And we have so frequently and incessantly been the victims of government conspiracies basically since World War II that I think part of the Great Awakening is not only this realization, but it's the catalyzation, the fueling of our own conspiracy. So if we are losing by conspiracy, then we have to fight back with conspiracy. It's why I've said that the Second Amendment hasn't really applied to this corruption that we've seen because it's not been a war fought on a front, but a war fought by conspiracy. And what we saw from Vivek was somebody who covertly, and he's never explicitly said this, this is just my interpretation, somebody who covertly ran against Trump, basically said nothing negative about Trump for the entirety of his campaign, and then handed all of his followers and all of his support to Trump. This is the type of conspiracy that we need to be engaged in if, we're gonna, if we want to win against these globalists. More on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, sold out for five months. The number one strongest turmeric in the world. Body's ultimate turmeric formula is back in stock. It's turmeric concentrate. It's 95% curcuminoid. We went to the top lab and said, what's the strongest you put out? They said like 87%. Most companies put out raw turmeric. It's 5%, 4%. This is 95% curcuminoid. Okay? So this is like, I guess the example is like, instead of eating, you have to eat like... You have 10 of those other pills just to get what is in one of these. And it's got some other key ingredients in it that the experts say helps upload the turmeric. It's anti-inflammatory. It's good for your heart, your brain, everything. It is 40% off, back in stock, Body's ultimate turmeric formula, Infowarstore.com. The all-time fan classic Bodies, 40% off, back in stock. And... Even made stronger, new and improved, and we got it with a bigger manufacturer, so we can discount it too. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We have nitric boost. It cleans out the blood, the heart, goes after the spike proteins, everything. Dr. Mikovich has talked about this for 40% off as well. And this is selling out, but despite that, it's still 30% off. It's next level foundational energy, the methylfolate, the key compound of other ingredients that clean out your cells and that are the main energy source. Popeye takes spinach. That's why it's so strong. What's in that? Folic acid. This is the breakdown concentrate 
of folic acid after the cells break it down. So this just goes right in there like nitrous oxide in, in, in a race car, okay? So you go from 800 horsepower to 1500 horsepower when you turn on the nitrous. I can't even take this, okay? Okay, I turn into a psychotic goblin, okay? But I'm just telling you right now, you want next level financial energy, get it, InfoWarsStore.com.